Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Wednesday the 7th of September. My name is Jessie Stevens. My name's Mia Friedman. And my name is Emma Gillespie. I'm filling in for Holly today. Because Holly is looking for her dog, Elvie. Out Louders, you will know that Holly moved to the south coast of New South Wales last year and if you are an Out Louder in or around that area and you see a beautiful staffy called LV, who looks a bit lost. We've put LV's picture in the Outlouders group and on our personal Instagram pages and on the Outloud Instagram page. Please DM Holly or DM us here at Outloud, but probably Holly because mm. that's going to be yeah. the first port of call. Hopefully by the time this goes out, LV will oh, be found. We will crossed. keep you updated. And Jesse, today's a pretty big day. It's a massive day. The tickets to our Mum Mayor Outloud world tour that's only happening in Australia for now are on sale. Right now, there is a link in our show notes. Snap them up. The site crashed. I've always wanted to and crash a site. I don't know. By the time the you internet. listen, we might be sold out, but check the link in the show notes in case there are tickets left. On the show today, are we really done with COVID isolation? We share our thoughts and alcohol isn't cool anymore, apparently. I have a theory why, and it has nothing to do with health or wellness. Obviously, we are talking about Don't Worry Darling Obviously. and how Harry spat on Chris Pine. It is all we are talking about. I am so, so excited. But first, Mia. In case you missed it. Britain has a new Prime Minister moving into number 10. Her name is Liz Truss and I know nothing about her. No, me Literally neither. nothing about her. Yeah. We were kind of relying on we Holly really for that, were weren't we? really were all eggs in the Wainwright basket <laughs> on this one today. <laughs> Correct. So we'll be bringing you some Liz Truss news later in the week when Holly is back. But there was a picture of her meeting the Queen. The Queen, of course, if you've watched The Crown, you will be very familiar with this, meets on a regular basis. I think it's every week, every month. Clearly I wasn't paying attention. With the Prime Minister and they talk through the issues of the day. It's kind of ceremonial. Mm. But it's a lot more frequent than I would have thought. I made that up. It might not be every week. <laughs> could be once a year. Biannually. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd, you know, some people will say maybe you could fact check, but I just threw this That's in. That's what Holly so, was meant to be here for. Short yes. for a fact check. So anyway, some concerns have been raised when this photo was released because it pictures the Queen quite stooped. People have been concerned that she's stooped. I would point out that she's 96. She has earned She doesn't look stooping. too stooped to me. And she's also dressed quite casually for the Queen. She's not in jeans. She's in a juicy couture tracksuit. <laughs> she is wearing a long kilt-like pleated skirt with some sort of low court shoe loafers and a lovely shirt with a sort of beige-coloured cardigan. There was a bruise on her hand, apparently. Again, she's 96. How mm-hmm. many Prime Ministers 
has this woman met? She's done with meeting Prime Ministers. Royal Watch has said that the reason she was dressed more casually is that she is at Balmoral at her Scottish palace and when she is in Balmoral, she dresses more casually than when she is at Buckingham okay. Palace. Question, if we're at home, why have we got our little purse wrapped around our <laughs> wrist? I know. I find that she interesting. Does. Look, it's her signature. And shoes on. She doesn't need shoes on. She's in her Take own house. shoes so off, true. Lizzie, babe. Kick it yeah. off. Relax. In case you missed it, Kim Kardashian's breaking the internet again with her bottom again. The 41-year-old is on the cover of Interview Magazine's American Dream September issue. She's in an all-denim outfit. Her jeans are unzipped. They are pulled down below her bum. So the whole bum is in view, but I would argue that she is wearing pants before Mia says put some pants on. The eyebrows are bleached. They call me a um, trendsetter. And I did say on this podcast not long ago that bleached eyebrows were back in. I'm 100% correct. Kim's doing it. She's almost irrecognisable. But it doesn't look like her pants are going to pull up over her bottom. So I'm worried that we've got a sizing issue. Someone at Bottega is going to get fired. Yes. All of you wives. We men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, <laughs> food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. That's right. The Hollywood drama that dominated the Twitter feed yesterday, and it all has to do with the premiere of the new movie, Don't Worry Darling. Poor Chris and Gemma have been used as buffers between Olivia, Harry and Florence. Press is asking all these questions. They're avoiding these answers. Harry's there to just look hot. Florence showed up late looking even hotter. Not since the Oscars slap has a celebrity moment captured so many people's attention. So many hot takes, close analysis, re-watching the same video 8,000 times each to just confirm that we have seen what we have seen with our own eyes because yesterday Harry Styles spat on Chris Pine, hill I'm willing to die on, we need to get into Some it. Some people are very worried, darling. It's yes. all there is to and be we worried need about, to darling. start from the beginning because most people won't even know what we're talking about. Don't worry, darling. Oh, okay. This is all. We had our uh, meeting today. I ran into the room. I said, we're talking about don't worry, darling. That's all I've got. All I've got to bring. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Harry Styles spat on Chris Pine. 100%. He spat on Chris Pine. Now, There's two types of people in the world now. Exactly. I don't even know who Chris Pine is. All right. Chris Pine is one of the Chris's. So there are four Chris's. Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Chris Pine. There are four Chris's. Chris Pine is always considered the worst of the Chris's. Why? Because he's just the least famous. He kind of doesn't have an edge. He was in Star Trek and Wonder Woman. Like, I didn't personally watch them. He's no Chris Hemsworth, right? The other Chris's have a bit more panache. Yeah, exactly. I want to say. So Chris Pratt was in Parks and Rec. Yep. Chris Hemsworth we know and love. What are the other ones? Chris Evans was in, he was in not another teen movie and he's just been in a bunch of kind of funny, I think he's in Transformers or something. Captain America Captain America. He's Captain America. My WhatsApps was blowing up last night and I'm like, what, what, are people spitting now? I'm setting the scene. It's Venice Film Festival, right? And they are premiering Don't Worry Darling, which everyone has been worried about for a very long time, very controversial, very dramatic. Basically what happens is Chris Pine is sitting in his seat and the movie is about to start. And on his right is Olivia Wilde. 
And then Harry Styles is the a director little... of the film. Exactly. And Harry Styles' girlfriend. I'm going to say wife of Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Now, Olivia and Harry have definitely broken up. We're getting there, but they've definitely broken up. So Chris is sitting there. Olivia Wilde on his right. Sign saying Harry Styles is going to sit here. Harry Styles walks over to take his seat and he kind of like bows down into Chris Pine's lap like you would if you were just kind of sitting. About to whisper something. About maybe. to whisper something. And he does a strange thing with his mouth. And then you don't see the spit, but spit is by its nature transparent. <laughs> what you see is Chris Pine look at him, shake his head, look at his lap, look at his trousers where mm. I'm going to assume the spit landed mm-hmm. and Harry sit down and look very pleased with himself. I have watched this video 45,000 times. Yeah, I have too. And I will watch it 45,000 I think times. Harry sat down and looked very rattled. Yes. And Chris Pine was just like, oh, man, this he, guy's insane. He had a look on his face like not again. What? Yeah. Because before that they had done a big press conference. And Florence Pugh was not there. She's star of the film. Star of the film who has apparently had a big falling out with Olivia Wilde. Apparently she was on the set of June so she couldn't make it. I know as a director how disruptive it is to lose an actor even for a day, so I'm very grateful to her and we're really thrilled we'll get to celebrate her work tonight. I can't say enough how honoured I am to have her as our lead. She's amazing in the film. And as for all the endless tabloid gossip and all the noise out there, I mean, the internet feeds itself. I don't feel the need to contribute. I think it's sufficiently well-nourished. But then she put a picture on Instagram drinking an Aperol. She was having an Aperol with her nan at the hotel. So she clearly (laughs) didn't want to answer the questions about all of this drama. No. Because this is rumoured to be her only press appearance to promote the film in any way. Which is weird. Very, very weird. And often what a lead actress will do is really sing the praises of a director. That's what you do. And she has not said a word about Olivia Even though Olivia, Olivia Wilde. Wilde has said lovely things about her exactly. repeatedly. Now they're on this panel and there's Olivia Wilde, there's Harry Styles again sitting on opposite ends. There's a great tweet that says, whoever organised this premiere has had to organise a wedding with divorced parents. And it's the truest thing. <laughs> yes. Because the, the way that they're all sitting, like Chris Pine's job is to stand in between people who aren't speaking. But it's lots of divorced parents. It's like yes. divorced parents yes. and then they got divorced in their second marriages and everyone's coming to the wedding. Everyone's family. Yep. And so mm-hmm. all the questions in the premiere press conference are all about the drama, stuff about Florence, blah, blah, blah. And Chris Pine is rolling his eyes, looking at the roof. He sits there the whole time, isn't asked a single question about the movie and he's wondering why he's even there. The energy is very that of like the boyfriend in the changing room of a boutique who's been dragged shopping by his girlfriend. Very like, why Mm. am I here? I'd like to be dead. Exactly right. And the press conference as well, there's a really funny clip of Harry being asked a question about the movie and he says something along the lines of... What I like about acting is I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's quite fun. Harry was not his most articulate self. <laughs> that was a bit of a misstep. What's the movie actually like? Apparently terrible. Terrible. Reviews have come out. Guardian mm. gave it two stars. They've said yep. it's unoriginal. Florence, mm. great. Harry, terrible. Story itself, they've yep. gone not good. Mm. The BBC called it an empty shell. The mm. Daily Beast said that Harry Styles' bastardised British accent is a distraction and The Guardian said the whole film is a movie marooned in a desert of unoriginality. I am obsessed. I watched this yesterday and went, 
at this stage it's got to be a setup because this is the most talked about movie in the history of the world. Yep. I have never been so interested in a premiere. Will you see the movie? Oh, I've got to. Oh, I've got yes. to. At the movies? Oh, yeah, why not? As soon as yep. is humanly possible. Yes, I will be there because I need to see what happened. Emma, why do you think that Harry Styles spat on Chris Pine? <laughs> personally first of all i would like it on the record <laughs> that i am a firm believer that the spit happened okay good because uh, some I'm, people are denying it I'm you're getting, a spit truther yeah. i am a spit truther i did my own research mm. and i will not mm. be lied to by the internet for a minute further it's gaslighting you trying to say it's that gaslighting the spit me. didn't happen read the spit sources close to styles apparently said this is not true and chris pine's rep has released a statement saying this is a ridiculous story, a complete fabrication and the result of an odd online illusion that is clearly deceiving and allows for foolish speculation. There is nothing but respect between these two men. Stop we lying saw it with our own eyes. We have eyes. We saw it. Guys, for our louders who are going to be like, why? Why are we talking about this? Who even are these people? Like, why is this? Is this really what women are talking yes. about? Why? Yes. Because light and shade. Yes, we can be the kind of women <laughs> I mean, I'm not shaming who want to know about it. the great issues, the conflict in Ukraine, what's happening to the world. Yeah. We also want to know why Harry spit on Chris <laughs> Pine. Mm. I think Chris Pine maybe. He was jealous. He was sitting next to Olivia and he thought, I don't like this. I wanted to sit next to my hot director, possible ex, and here you are, Chris Pine. You've just moseyed down that red carpet with a disposable camera taking photos of my arch nemesis, Florence Pugh. Yeah. You can't be on everyone's team, Chris Pine. Here's little spit. I feel like my brain cells are like going pop, pop, No, no. I wonder because the other big story here is that Harry and Olivia have broken up. Like, this is the biggest story in the world. This is massive. Yeah. Olivia and Harry have been together for, I don't know, a year or something. Um, oh we feel were- like I'm in high school. They've been together forever. It's for been like a six year. weeks. They just had their two-week anniversary. Yes, yeah. and we were really into it and they were really close and I was loving that. And now it is the couple that has to turn up to a joint event they both agreed to before they broke up and they're not even acting mm. nice. So the question is Chris Pine and Olivia. Have they been mm, maybe having a little sexy time maybe and what that's else? why Harry's angry. Yes, and what else is interesting, a reason, Mia, to care about this story, we've been told for the last two years probably that Harry Styles is one of the most influential icons of pop culture. Everyone loves him. He's the most lovable man on the planet. Mm. Is Harry Styles on the way out? Yeah, this is a mystery. Are we about to be done with Harry Styles. His rep never comments on anything. The fact his rep came out and commented on the spitting incident suggests this is a big, big deal. I feel like the tide is beginning to turn on Harry. Yep. I am worried for him. How can you not care that there was spitting at a premiere? It's so important. It's important. It's pretty important. I also was thinking a lot about what Abby Chatfield said this week when she said, my private life is not something I owe you. And I've been thinking about that in relation to this spitting issue and Florence and Harry and Olivia and blah. She broke up with her partner recently and she made quite an impassioned post on her Instagram saying, don't slide into my DMs, don't come up to me in the street asking me what's going on because it had been reported widely that they'd split up before she'd said anything herself. Mm. And she said, I don't know you. This is my life. And I think it's interesting that idea of the parasocial relationship where how much are we owed? Like 
Florence Pugh and Olivia and Harry and even Chris and whatever, I mean, a little bit different if you spit at someone at a premiere, that is fairly public, but we're not owed an explanation of what went on behind the scenes with Olivia and Florence or whether Olivia and Harry have broken up and how everybody feels about it. Is it about what we're owed or when you put something into play, like Mm. your relationship, is it reasonable to then expect? Well, people invest in it, don't they? Yeah. So I'll argue against myself now. People invest in it. But I think what can be lost in our excitement is... The humanity. The humanity. and. Abby's a real person. All of these people are real people and Conrad, and I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it because I believe that it's true. They're celebrities and they rely on our interest in them to sell their products and see their movies and listen to their podcasts just like us. But I also think that they should be able to draw the line where they want to. I just think it can be hard for the audience to understand that. Hi Out Loud, this is Beck calling from Wollongong and oh my goodness, I just gotta say, I am so, so excited that you guys are going on tour. Words cannot express, I'm so excited. I was not able to be there the last time you went on tour, I had raging FOMO, but you can bet that I'll be there this time. Beck from Wollongong, she'll be there. Front and centre, just soaking in the glory that is Mamma Mia Out Loud. You guys are the best, getting me through some really tough situations in my life and just giving me so much light and life and colour. You really colour in my life. So you guys are the best. So looking forward to seeing you on tour. Thanks for all you do. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. The National Cabinet agreed that the isolation periods for COVID-19 positive cases would be reduced from seven to five following a positive test. Uh, This would apply to people with no symptoms. Last week, the federal government announced some changes to how we're doing COVID restrictions. You might have seen the decision came out of National Cabinet, Albo and all the state leaders decided to reduce the mandatory COVID ISO period. So we went from seven days to five days. But for some people, the decision didn't really go far enough. So we've heard a lot of calls over the last few days to scrap ISO altogether. This idea that to get back to pre-pandemic normal, we can't have any mandated isolation period. So we've gone from 14 days of ISO at the start to seven to five from this Friday, unless you are still symptomatic or a worker in a high-risk setting. So a worker in a high-risk setting could include someone in disability or aged care. New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet is among those leaders who think we need to move away from public health orders and scrap mandates altogether. He says the point we need to get to is a greater reliance on people respecting each other and looking after or being responsible for their own health. There aren't mandated ISO periods for other illnesses like the flu, but what would it actually look like to ditch COVID ISO here? 
Well, over in the UK back in February, the government announced a new phase of living with COVID that meant self-isolation rules would be scrapped from April. From April 1, daily case numbers went from just shy of 70K to a spike in mid-March of just over 170K. Then they saw a drop in May, another spike in July. Now cases are at around 30,000 a day there. But what about deaths and hospitalizations. So the death rate has gone down. And just Mm. like here, numbers have been up and down. I'm 100% on board with innovating our approach to what living with COVID looks like. But what that actually means can and will change. And I don't think we're ready to scrap ISO. Here's why. Firstly, I just don't trust us. I don't trust us to look after each other and do the right thing, as leaders like Alba were saying, because time and time again, we've proven that we can't actually do that unless we're told explicitly that we must. Mm. Vaccines, masks, the list goes on. We're at capacity with personal responsibility. We're tired. Just tell us what to do. Take the decision making away from us. That's interesting. Jesse, what do you think? I am not a scientist, I am not a politician, and therefore I do not know all the variables. But I think when we talk about COVID, everyone really looks at their own experience and applies that to the situation. I had an auntie, she had cancer and she had chemotherapy, she was doing chemo. And she went out one time, right? One time in maybe six months because she knew she had to be really careful and she actually went to a funeral. And at that funeral, she got COVID. And for months, there were complications, shit time, she was sick anyway, and she got COVID at that funeral. I will assume that the person who gave her COVID didn't know, right? Yeah. Interestingly, that funeral, I had COVID and I didn't go because I was isolating and because I had to say to my family, I am so sorry, I have COVID, I'm isolating. If that wasn't mandated and I wasn't super sick, Mm. I might have gone to that funeral. Yeah. With a whole lot of oldies, with people who were unwell, and I would have it on my hands that my immunocompromised auntie got COVID. We can all look at a moral framework or or whatever, but when something is a rule, I think you feel really guilty when you break it. Whereas if there is no rule, then you can kind of shrug your shoulders. You can talk yourself into yeah, it. Yeah, and go, well, I wasn't breaking the rules and, you know, it's just a bit sniffly, so who cares? The reality is that even if you're not super, super symptomatic, you can still spread it. And yeah. so I think that it does make us more vigilant and Mia, that worries me. What do you think, Mia? Well, I thought I knew what I thought, but listening to you two, I've changed my mind because I thought, come on, personal yeah. responsibility, don't be a dick. Well, I wondered as an home. employer because, mm. you know, a lot of these decisions yeah. have come out of the skills shortage and I wondered yeah. as an employer, Mia, you know, Mama Mia has been in constant juggling of, you know, people can't come in, they've got COVID, they're isolating. Yeah, we want more sick people to come into work. Um, (laughs) We've always been the opposite. So we've always had what we call a red card policy way before COVID where if you come in and you're sniffling or coughing or in any way displaying any kind of symptom, you get sent home by your co-workers. And it's interesting, someone new started working here and they got COVID in their first week and gastro in their second week and then they got a cold. Don't. And they came in sick and I was like, not with COVID, but with like a cold or whatever. And I was like, no, 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 you need to go home. And she was like, oh, I'm just so used to it. My old workplace, the expectation was unless you were pretty much in hospital mm. or vomiting constantly, you had to come in. And she said, as a result of that, everybody was sick all the time. And the problem is that if you're a young person 
a reasonably healthy person, if you're a single person, you can get sick, it's annoying, you get into bed for five days, whatever. But when you pass that on to someone who's got little kids, who's someone who's immunocompromised, you just never know. So I would raise the case for everyone staying home more when they Mm. were sick. You know what? Stopping the spread of germs. Don't we have a problem with presenteeism that we – Go to work when we're sick. We've when always did that culture done it. Change because it used to be you chucked a sickie. That but used I think, to be a good Aussie tradition. Yeah, but you only chucked a sickie when you weren't actually sick, oh, right? True. Yeah, that's yeah. Do people go to work when they're sick because they don't want to use sick days and annual leave days? I don't no. think it's sick days. I think it's because they don't want to fall behind. They mm. don't want to look slack. I think it's guilt and obligation. And you don't want to look like a bludger. The worst thing you can be also, in Australia is a bludger. And also, do you have five days sick leave? If you have a lot on your plate at work and you're sniffly and you know that not doing work that day means that the next day is going to be a 12-hour day because you've got to do this, you've got Mm. to do that. I often have real guilt about sick days with, oh, now I know that that's going to ruin this other person's day. Like if I'm off, I know Liza is going to have a bad day, Yeah, you know, because she has to do a bunch of other stuff. But I think we need to look at this example in the UK where they've made this call, they scrapped ISO right before a big Omicron wave. Their health system has been crippled since April by COVID. So wait times for surgeries, even just getting in to see a GP, everything has blown out. And I do think it's important to have a conversation about the skills shortage and what we're expecting of employees and and workers having more freedom to work from home, to not be bringing germs into the office. But it's all industry dependent and it's nuanced. The seven to five change I think is a good thing yeah. because we know from the medical professionals and the science that your viral load is much lower at those later days. But that's only but if you've got symptoms, it's down to five. If you've got symptoms, yes. but I mean, you have to stay I home. If, like right? I would have isolated for four weeks maybe when I had COVID because I still mm. had some yeah. symptoms. symptoms. But there isn't a testing criteria with scrapping it and with the new five-day thing, you don't even need to have a negative rat. I think we just are lacking transparency. Mm. And there's a bit of politicking going on where people are saying that the health advice is coming from decision makers who are doctors but not public health experts and that there's a disconnect there. Mm. So, you know, there's a real shortage of teachers. You've got kids that have to stay home, which means their parents can often not go to work. And the knock-on effect to the economy is massive. I'm interested to know from out louders what COVID precautions, self-precautions, are people still doing? Like I wear a mask still when I go into a chemist but no other shop. I've just noticed that about myself. Chemist because I see a chemist as Because chemist journey. is like you could get COVID Correct. rather than I'm wearing a mask because I don't want to give someone I COVID. went into an aged care ward on the weekend and did a test before I went in. And, and mm. you know what, that's about everyone else but it is also about me because it's about me not living with giving yeah. an old sick person COVID. Like yeah. I'm not going to do it. But you were in a writer's room yesterday and you, everyone had everyone to do does a, them. a test. Why? Because yep. you're there at close quarters. Yep, and I have to do it every time I do the project or television. Always negative rap. I know that Mamma Mia Out Loud do an extraordinary job and right around the country that is the case. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for Mamma Mia subscribers. To get full access, follow the link in the show notes and a big thank you to all our current subscribers. With a bottle of Jack Cause when I leave for the night I ain't coming back Alcohol is no longer cool, apparently. A new survey out of the UK has revealed 26% of 
16 to 24 year olds in the UK, so that's Gen Z, do not drink alcohol at all. And they are fully teetotal. And I mean, you would hope that the 16 year olds would be because it's illegal, but it's been a while since I've been to a pub. Actually, it hasn't been that long. I'm not really a pub girl, but I was in Melbourne and -hmm. I went to a couple of pubs and both times I didn't have an alcoholic drink. What did you drink? I drank lime and soda and I drank a water. Oh, oh that's so yeah. boring. So oh, I at least do something least a bit. get a lemon, lime and bitter. Yeah. I should have done that. Exactly. I didn't think about that. And it turns out I'm not alone because almost a third of all pub visits in the UK, they're now alcohol free. A mm. third of all pub visits in the UK population are fairly big drinkers. It seems that not drinking or drinking less is having a moment. The non-alcoholic beverage market has grown by over 506% since 2015 and Google searches for sober curious peaked in 2021 following the pandemic. It's just like, hmm, asking for a friend. (laughs) (laughs) So the question I want to ask is, has alcohol lost its cool? There's an article on Vice that explains that drinking has been losing its cred in pop culture for quite a while. And Daisy Jones writes about how party drugs and mushrooms are still popular, but alcohol is having a bit of a PR crisis. And she writes, once you notice it's inescapable, at the time of writing, not a single track in the top 10 mentions getting fucked up. Oh, none of the most popular TV shows in the past few years, Sex Education, Heartstopper, even Euphoria, seem to glamorise drinking in the way TV used to either. When Euphoria characters swig from bottles rapidly or while driving, it's meant to signify a serious issue. Binge drinking in pop culture is now more often packaged as bleak and concerning, not edgy, laissez-faire or something to aspire to. Jesse, the article also makes a connection between the internet and this sort of culture who've grown up seeing online all the risks of what drunken behaviour are, either from, you know, your reputation or from a safety, you know, mm. idea. What do you think? Has drinking lost its edge and is it the internet's I don't buy fault? this internet thing. I think that would be assuming that young people have fully developed frontal lobes and can at all see what the consequences are of posting something online, I don't buy that at all. The theory is that young people know that anything you do can be immortalised and put on the internet and can haunt them 10, 20 years later. I don't think that's it. My theory is that this is a generation that millennials and Gen Zs in particular grew up watching the generations before them drink too much and we have had this moment, and and I'm not speaking specifically about my parents, but my parents' generation, baby Mm. boomers, where we have had this epiphany of, I don't want to do that. Especially, I think Australia has a, um, you know, whether it's Irish Catholic or English or Mm. this- A drinking culture. A real drinking culture. It is almost like we are the generation that's left with the hangover of what it looks Mm. like when you drink too much, when you drink every day, whether it's health issues that you have in later life or the reliance on it. There was a really good quote that I read that said, there's a generational thing where you never want to do the same drugs your parents did. If your parents' (laughs) drug of choice was alcohol, then ours might, and this is the thing, it's not like we're not doing anything. That's why I don't think it's about health and wellness. But there has been a spike in cocaine use because that's not what our parents used. So I think that that's actually where it's coming from? I think we were confronted with that in lockdowns. So I agree, Jesse, that we've grown up with an awareness of a toxic relationship between the baby boomers, some of the baby boomers in some our lives baby boomers, yep. and how they drink. I sort of thought growing up 
that, you know, I'm from an enormous Catholic Irish family. Jesse and I, we have a lot in common here. We've spoken about this. I grew up thinking that just having an awareness of it would be enough. And then lockdowns happen and you realize how quickly you can slip into just becoming very used to making excuses about how much you're drinking every day. That to me was a big moment of, oh no, I really yes. could be like be that. Be someone who drinks like a handful of drinks every single night. I don't yes. want to be that. So mm. I think that's changed things. I do also think that drug culture plays into this a lot. So while we see influencers on Instagram telling us that they're living sober, alcohol-free lives, there is no way that as many of them aren't doing drugs as we think. Yeah. They're just doing more drugs. <laughs> drugs are <laughs> cheaper than drinking. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah, I think. What I think drugs? drugs are. I did some research and they are absolutely cheaper. So if you go to a music festival and it's $12 for a half yep. strength. A half strength drink. A thing. So if you actually want to get drunk, then you're probably having 10 at You've least. You've got to wait 40 minutes in a line. Yeah. You've got a maximum Hundreds. purchase. Of, you can't buy more than two or four per person. Hundreds of dollars. So, so Hangover. let's just speak about that for a second. So there's obviously this real understanding of the potential harms of alcohol, yep. if not, you know, the whole idea around drink wise and drink responsibly and don't drink when you're pregnant and don't drink to excess and binge drinking and all of these things. So I think that it was kind of Gen X's generation who instigated all of these campaigns and this awareness. And I just think it's worked. I think you're being naive if you just think that you spontaneously just all together decided, oh, I don't want to be like mum and dad. I think that the public health messages have seeped into your consciousness. It worked. But I think interestingly, there's a reason why your generation did that. And what happened, I was reading about post-World War II, so massive spike in alcohol advertising, right? And then in about the 70s, there was this realisation that advertisers had, which was women can drink too. Yeah. And there was a massive push in the 70s and 80s to be like, women, drink like men, drink like men, because they had this new market. So I think that women saw, again, take it up without even really thinking too much. And then there was a resistance going, hang on, women, firstly, can't really drink as much as men. Often we can't handle alcohol in the same way. But also there are alcohol-related injuries and health conditions and all that kind of stuff. So I think that the pendulum swung in that way. I think it probably started with Gen X. I also think our mental health literacy, awareness, education, we understand mental health differently. We treat it differently now. I think possibly mm. a lot more people are going to therapy and prescribed medication to help them, whereas yeah. maybe in our parents' and grandparents' generations they were oh, self-medicating self yeah. with That's booze. interesting. Exactly. Exercising. So many people are very, very into exercise. And if you're on any kind of exercise regime, you learn pretty quickly that you can't drink and then get up at 8 o'clock and exercise past the age of 22 because it'll affect you. So I think that has a part to play as well. Out loud, is you drinking less on this side of the pandemic? Tell us. Or more. <laughs> Most will probably say more, but have you noticed a generational shift? Because a lot of people will say that they're surprised that the Gen Zs and the millennials are drinking way less than, say, the baby boomers were at the same age. But are they doing more drugs? Tell us. You can keep it anonymous. 
I have a recommendation. It's recommendations time. I kind of have an old TV show to reco. It's not very cool of me, but here we are. I drink and I watch old television. <laughs> it's a show called The Americans. It's on binge. There are six seasons. It wrapped up in 2018, but it's the kind of show that I don't know why more people haven't watched. I have and never more heard of it. Shouting about it all of the time. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's set in the 80s during the Cold War and it's all about these two Russian spies. They're KGB spies. They're married to each other. They have kids that were born and raised in Washington that have no idea that they're spies. They're posing as the everyday average American white picket fence family while living in D.C. spying on the American government. What made you watch it? Because this is set in the time of Gorbachev and Reagan. So I started it last year, late last Mm. year, and it's just it's been a slow burn. There's so many episodes, six seasons. I started watching it because I'd heard one of my friends makes some reference to it, like as if it were a pop culture thing that I yeah, should know about. I've got loads of friends who are obsessed with this show. And I immediately feel if I don't understand yeah. the reference it's that I that must understand girl, it. Felicity, who was in, no, what's her real oh. name? From Bones. Oh. Carrie um, Russell. No, wasn't she in Felicity? Yeah, she oh, was Felicity. Yeah. Mary Russell from Felicity, yes. And the two leads are actually together in real life, which I always oh. love. love but it's gripping, amazing drama. I think everyone will find something to love about it. I made my dad watch it and he burned through it in two weekends. Like, it's good. I want more people to talk about it with, Where basically. Can we watch it? It's on Binge, The Americans. Watch it now. And look, a few people in the Out Louders group have said there's too much Megan talk. And other people say we can't get enough. It's I haven't true. seen those comments, but I think that they would exist. We just don't believe in them. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday on our subscriber episode, we really debriefed on that cut profile that she did. It's called Megan of Montecito. It was really interesting to talk to it also with Holly because she could deconstruct what goes on behind the scenes in setting up that profile. And I've spoken to so many journalists about this profile actually, and, and we all agree that it was absolutely masterful in the way that the journalist obviously didn't want to do a hatchet job. She was there with an open heart and good intentions and also a journalist, but she also didn't want to be part of a spin machine. So she had a very, very, very fine line to walk and she walked it, I think. I think it's an outstanding example of good profile writing. Anyway, there's a link in the bio if you want to listen to us deconstruct that profile of Meghan Markle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mum Mia Out Loud. This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie, who is also sitting here pressing all the buttons. We don't know how she does it. We don't ask questions. Mm. And audio production is by Leah Porges. Thank you, Leah. And we will chat to you tomorrow. Bye. 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 Big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.